It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics in the playoffs in the Easter Conference Finals. You know, John, we did our predictions the last time. I said two, four, five, and seven. Uh, for the last two games, since we recorded after game one, we definitely got the split, but we didn't get the split the way we wanted it, which is going to require the Celtics to win two stints of two in a row or a stint of three in a row <laughs> or four in a row. That'll be nice. But uh, this is a tough road. You lose game two. It's a tough road. Now, I keep seeing on Twitter that the last two Eastern Conference uh, finals representatives in the finals uh, were down 2-0. So it's not out of the question. I think the Celtics really are the better team. It's nice to see Gordon Hayward back. It's nice to see things starting to mesh and they're healing. And I think maybe that's the place to start, even though it's been over-discussed. I can tell that Gary Washburn especially is not on your Christmas list. <laughs> Well, it's, you know, I don't think he's doing it maliciously. I mean, I think a lot of people in the Twitter world think it's malicious, but I'm just kind of tired of, like, like the end of that game, the, you know, that Anthony Davis, you know, three, you know, the, the again, the Denver Lakers game, game oh, two, yeah. right? The game winner. I mean, he, I, I see that tweet, and then 90 seconds later, I see it on TV, you know, and it's like, I like it when it's a positive thing for the Celtics, you know, but it's, it's really kind of a bummer. And like, if you're going to live tweet, like, I think, I think there's going to be some rules for people in the bubble on the live tweeting thing, you know? So if you're listening, Boston Globe, if you're listening, but that was offense ESPN, number two for you, cut it out. That oh, was offense it's, it's number constant. two for you. Oh, you want to talk about the other night? Game well, two? either yeah, game two and after the, game two, the positioning of the yelling in the locker room, and yes, there's that uh, too. But that felt like the straw that broke the camel's back was the the tweeting of the outcome of the Lakers game before anybody could see it. And I I agree with what you're right. saying. It's just unenforceable. And I have been you know minutes behind or watching the games later 
you know, several sure. times uh, for various reasons. And so, you know, I've learned to put my phone on do not disturb, like, because it is, it when you know the outcome, it does change the viewing experience. There's no doubt. And so, you know, <laughs> after I had to ignore multiple text messages coming in and stuff on my phone, uh, when I was only an hour behind, um, and that was last Friday. Uh, so I think that was the Toronto series, but anyway, um, you know, so I'm like, I'm like trying to cover the screen as I'm watching, you know, an hour behind and da da da. And then, then this week I learned my lesson. If I'm starting late, phone goes on, do not disturb, no notifications, just lock it down, watch the game in, you know, uninterrupted. And so that's worked out. And I kind of feel like you got to do that at the end of close games in the NBA too. Like you want to kind of tweet back and forth, but you also got to protect yourself a little bit from refreshing that timeline. It's, it's too fun for me to, to do it, to, to ignore it though. I have too much fun with the give and take with the, the tweeters out there. You know, I get it. I, that's, that's kind of my thing. You know, it's, we're all you got to do it. The commercial breaks. You're not paying enough attention to the game, then. You oh, wait come on! Commercial break. <laughs> you, you, you listen. I've got my, oh, my ability to like. I'm omniscient on all of these different levels. I can follow all of this stuff at once and do it all really poorly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so no, let's seriously, go, let's go back to the first tweet because yeah, that second tweet was back. definitely an issue. But if we go back to the first tweet. The first tweet was definitely sensationalistic, right? And that's, but for me, actually really glad Gary did that because I think it called a lot of attention to it and it forced the Celtics to make that into a positive, right? When you make the media and anybody in, you know, the general fan base the devil for commenting on your stuff. It pulls the team together. I, I love the foil action on that. I really do. Um, and I think they did a good job of responding in game three, but not as good of a job as they've done blowing freaking leads. <laughs> and and, and it, it looked like it might actually happen again in game three. So frustrating for them to basically dominate a series and yet really struggling to close it out. I... Um... I don't know. I, I'm not as I'm not as wor- as lathered up about the the, the big lead thing. Um, I, I think there's a there's a little bit of small sample size theater going on there, and, and it's not because I think that the Celtics are just amazing at closing out games. I just I don't know how how much it's that they're you know abnormal or or less than you know, below average in that, in that category. I mean, you got a couple, you know, really. Well, you and I hung it on the officials, right? We hung it on the officials, but I don't think that was the case in game three. You know, uh, there was definitely, you know, plenty of plays where you're like, hmm, but I don't think that was not so much. Miami shot their way back in, in game three and Boston just could not keep you know, their hands on the throat. I mean, I definitely felt better about the way game three ended, you know, yeah. and I definitely felt better about the way they responded to some of the initial comeback pressures that Miami had versus what we had seen in games one and two. 
but it's still like they stake that big lead and and the first thing that <laughs> crosses your mind is that ain't gonna last and and whether it's miami hitting crazy ridiculous shots or the officials like leaving the door open for drama either way there's a lot of drama around those leads uh and and it keeps you hooked even when it should be a blowout yeah well and that's yeah i mean i think they do keep you hooked you're not gonna you're not gonna turn turn it off because the lead is safe yeah no lead is safe and frankly the celtics i mean they were out of game two you know and they turned that into a game you know what i mean so does that mean miami can't close it out no because they ultimately did close it out but you know the Celtics had that to a one possession game with what 20 seconds left or something three-point game you know, yeah. and Jalen Brown misses a wide open three, and has you know, had he made that, then who knows what happens? You know, I, I so I guess I, you know, I think that there's there's a couple different ways it can go, but I think anytime you get with the way the game is now and the way teams shoot, like anybody can come back. You know, nine points is three buckets. You know, you can pretty easily get three buckets. Um, you know, whereas. Um, you know, that's not always the case. And then on top of that, if calls are going your way or I mean, the Celtics were in the bonus. You had Tyson fouled out. I mean, I think they were kind of, you know, they, it did. It did feel like they were kind of pedaling real fast underwater and hoping they could stay afloat. You know, <laughs> and and they did. But, you know, Miami makes you work for it because they they're the other thing with Miami, too. And perhaps this is why I think I think some of Toronto is like this, too. They are they're tough-minded and they give you their all relentless they're right exactly they're relentless they're never giving up until the buzzer so you know if you think that somehow you know well there's no coasting there's no coasting yep and and hopefully if they get to the finals it will you know (laughs) hopefully they'll learn all the lessons they need to have learned um but but i it's still risky um, I almost feel like they needed to be in that hole, but you never know how quickly they wind up climbing out of that hole. Hopefully they don't get that level of, of overconfidence. You know, Gordon Hayward's back, and uh, it did make a Wait, world what? of difference in game three. Yeah, but I, but before we talk <laughs> about Gordon, I know, Gordon Hayward's was back. Funny. Like, Gordon Hayward, wait, I had no idea. Sorry. Shocking. Was, nobody's nobody's know, talking right? about it. Nobody's it's talking about it. <laughs> Breaking news on anyway, Celtic I, stuff uncut. Inside right. joke there. Uncut, uh, yes. a, this is how I win. Anyway. <laughs> so I before we talk about Gordon, I want to build it into the fact that, you know, there's three days off because when we did the last show, you know, we did our predictions, we talked about things, but one theme that's been kind of carried out in the postseason or at least one that that has been on, if it wasn't the last show, it was the show before, talking about having too much time off, and does that break the Celtics' rhythm, and is that an issue? And, you know, I got to pose it again because, and it tees up Gordon, but I want you to answer the first half first. You know, usually the time off doesn't really work. The team looked gassed to start this series, too, though. Looked like they just didn't quite have the, you know, the not driving, you know, to, to attack the paint. It seemed like they were hoping for an easy victory out of games one or two because they probably were a little gassed. So in the back of your mind, you're like, these three days off could be really good for them. Gordon Hayward plays over 30 minutes in his first game in 
you know, what, two months or whatever, month and a half, long time. And so it looked pretty good, you know, little rust, but really no issues around explosion, I don't think. Um, Definitely mentally was still seeing the game the right way, helped the Celtics beat the zone. But playing over 30 minutes in the first game back, he even said ankle sore, three days for him to rest up a little bit. I think from the physical side, and it was a very physical series against Philly, and it was a very high minutes played in terms of physical series with Toronto with not a lot of time off, and Miami had the time off. We talked a lot about that after game one. But we also know that the Celtics do kind of get out of rhythm with a lot of time off. So I'm interested to hear your take for game four because um, I predicted they'd win games two, four, five, seven. And I think you said two, three, five, six. Was that your winning games? Two, three, five, six? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think so you I'm said all, I'm all out six. of whack now. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. screwed. It's over Losing game two was was a bad one for me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really thought they were going to bounce back in game two. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's it it's really hard to get to six here. You know, I mean, I think that Miami is going to be they're too tough. They're they're just too tough to to lose three in a row. You know what I mean? And that's basically four what you need to do to get four in a row. Yeah. Right, or four in a row, right, in that case, right. So, but, uh, you know, I think that the Celtics, they needed that rest more than Miami did. Um, John Hollinger wrote a really interesting article for uh, for The Athletic talking about how Miami's in this great shape and Boston's had to overtax their starters, and so the Celtics are tired, the Heat are not, but now you got Hayward back, and then you got three days off, and that kind of balances things out. And how, like, really the, the MVP of this should be Drew Brees because it's the fact that the, <laughs> that, uh, the, the Saints are playing Monday Night Football uh, last night meant that that bumped the whole NBA schedule, not just one day, but two days, which then got Boston, you know, uh, their game on Wednesday, giving that extra day, day of rest. Yep. Or extra two days, in a way, extra two days of rest. And I think they desperately needed it because that – that Toronto series took a hell of a lot more out of them than what Miami had taken out of them from Milwaukee, right? It was, I'm not saying it was, it was completely a walk in a park, but Miami only played nine games. <laughs> they swept the first round and they only played five in the second round. Whereas the Celtics, you know, they swept the first round, sure, but that was a hard fought seven game series. And I'd argue that officiating had a lot to do with that. And so, you know, you got the Celtics and I think they were, they're winded and they're whipped and, and now, you got rest, and you've added Hayward to the mix. I mean, I think if you're Miami, you that's that's got to concern you greatly going into Game Four. Yeah, I do too. And if you remember, after Game One, I was clamoring for NS Cantor, and I definitely wasn't saying NS Cantor to play 30 minutes a night. But they have found. Yeah, you I meant 35. 35. I meant I meant all 48. All 48. Never. He almost up. got Marcus Smart into the pool. That guy can play 48 minutes. Um, <laughs> but seriously, Most. no, but seriously, folks, um, uh, no, like, I just think there was definitely a role for him. I don't know that I had the matchup against Kelly Olenek, the way that the details coming out on it, I just felt like there were moments 
especially because they weren't going inside where the Celtics would benefit from a few extra offensive rebounds. Since they weren't going to manufacture them on putbacks, everybody camped out beyond the arc. And I just felt like that could really maybe help spread it out a little bit and, and get now it turns out that the real difference maker on that was Jalen Brown, just the way that he went after it in game three after a, I don't know, we'll call it an altercation just because it's, you know, that's the world these days, his altercation with Marcus smart in the locker room. Um, you know, I think it was a fire that needed to be lit for everybody's sake, but the fact that it brought out good old fashioned Jalen to the rim was awesome because he's been shooting very well from beyond the arc in the postseason, but he's got to mix it up for this team. He's the best one to to attack the rim. And for some reason, I mean, Kemba's getting a few of those, but what you see from Kemba during the regular season, being able to get the nifty layups and, and drive, you know, into the paint, we're not seeing that in the postseason. I think, you know, Philly's an obvious reason defensively, the perimeter play, um, and what Toronto was able to get get away with with clutching and grabbing uh, out on the perimeter had a lot to do with that. But it's still plaguing them in this series against Miami. And that could just be, you know, running out of gas. It could be the way that they're defending, you know, Kemba. But he's still just not able to get in there. Jalen, though, he's finding his way in. Um, pretty easily, actually, uh, especially yeah, when they're I, attacking early in the shot clock. That was the real key for that opening up for him. I think it's. I think a part of it is they're they're keen on the defense at the top of the, the top of the key. They, they they don't want Kemba to get by. They're put you know when they're going zone, they're putting you know either Jay and and um, Butler at the top. So by having you know, Jalen in the corner or what have you, you know, he's able to kind of attack those, um, those seams and, you know, he's, he's working and they're punishing, which is what they absolutely need to do. They got to punish Duncan Robinson, which they did a great job in game three. They, 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 did you see my tweet? Did you see my yeah. tweet on that before, before they even shut him down? I'm yeah, like, oh, buddy. Yeah. Best way. To stop an offensive threat is to make them a defensive liability. Totally. And that, Put them in foul trouble, make them yeah. overplay it, frustrate them for the lapses on defense. You know, I don't think you're going to – sometimes it really works to kind of put that player in the negative light for their teammates, but Miami is just way too team-oriented and sound for that to actually happen as a result of making him a defensive liability. But, but you can definitely get in his head and he shot like shit. Right, and, and I'll give and I'll give credit to uh, I'll give credit to Duncan Robinson because he you know he got completely taken out of the game by the Celtics just devastating him defensively, and, and he came back and hit a number of big threes there in the fourth quarter as they yeah the run back. that cut so, it to eight yeah yeah credit credit to him to kind of get back in it, but Celtics that to me that's where this is the more the Celtics can attack. And use their their physical advantages uh, over Hero and Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic. That's where on offense, it's where they need to be focused. Defense, <laughs> they those are the guys that can't let kill them, you know. But but I think Dragic in particular, I think we saw by the Celtics cutting off the head of the snake. Yeah. And most people would say it's Jimmy Butler, 
Jimmy Butler did not step up in game three. I expect a different Jimmy Butler in game in game four. Uh, but Jimmy Butler was not. Yeah, but that's he was that'll be a game three. That'll be a great thing. The more Jimmy has to do it, the more it takes the confidence away from the rest of the team. That's precisely totally why you that. cut the head off the snake. I yes. love it. If Jimmy starts getting hoggy, I'm not saying that they'll be mad at Jimmy. I'm saying they'll be frustrated with themselves that they put him in a position where he has to do that, and he's not going to be able to carry them on his own, not on his own. And Dragic, when he got inserted into the starting lineup because Kedrick Nunn got hurt, they even said that was a vaulting point for Miami. And he's a great playmaker. So Marcus Smart on Dragic, I'm a big fan. I don't think Marcus comes out of the starting lineup at all for that reason. There's yeah, a lot of discussion as we stay on the the Gordon Hayward. They, I, I, if they if they do decide that they want Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup, then it's got to be because they go with their best five and they just try to run the shit out of them because that's yeah, that's that's I don't, I, that. I don't think they will either because then they'll get tired. It's it's a good it's it's a change of pace lineup to go with the best five. It's um it's a closing lineup maybe, um you know because you're not going to post up you're not going to I mean you're going to try to get you know get guys in movement. I I think that do you consider you starting it. Grant Williams or are you no, totally staying on Tice? I stay with Tice. I I don't think I mean Tice. He doesn't Tice look is, good in this series, dude. He's been he up really does Yeah. 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 Way more solid setting the picks and the timing on the pick and rolls in the first two rounds. So what's happening? Is it Bam? Is Bam just such a legit defender and he's working him so hard? You know, I mean, working Tice to play, working Tice when Tice is on defense so hard because he's able to get, you know, inside and he's able to go up over him. Like, is that, do you think that's what the issue is? It's a good question. I mean, I think physically, I mean, physically, Bam is a, is a load. Um, you know, I think that Tice has not has not done well with that. Um, I think that they've, you know, in situations they've had a lot of, you know, Goran Dragic and pick and roll, um, who's done quite well. Um, you know, I, I think that I think Tice is drawing a lot of fouls. I mean, he, he's really been in foul trouble. I think two of the three games. Yeah. Um, you know. So I think that that's part of the issue. Um, but yeah, that's not the war on Tice that we've seen in other matchups. The, I mean, the, I, he's legitimately in foul trouble due to his own accord, I think. Yeah. There might have been I one ticky-tack, but right, out, right. for the most part, he's just getting outmatched. So here's my thing on Grant Williams. Maybe he doesn't go into the starting lineup because that just disrupts too much of what they're doing. But especially with Gordon Hayward coming back into the mix. But I can see they're not going to roll him out there after two fouls. And if he gets a quick one, you know, that happened in the last series and Robert Williams came in. I see Grant Williams, and here's why. He's a smart rookie, number one. So getting him caught in making mistakes when the Celtics are on defense, it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen a lot, right? And I think that's part of the reason Williams isn't playing. He gets caught, and they're moving the ball so well, it'll really test Williams. But the real reason I think Grant comes in is he's got the strength to really push back on Bam. Not 100%, oh, definitely. 
But if he can just use that, you know, he's one, I mean, they've said he's one of the strongest guys in the NBA, deceptively strong. Um, I think he can keep Bam far enough away from the basket that at least all those easy points that Bam's getting against Tice don't come as often. And maybe it makes him work a little bit harder for him when he does get them. And they're going to have to wear that guy down. You know, as much as you talk about Jimmy Butler taking over the game in game four, if they don't keep trying to find ways to neutralize Bam, I mean, his numbers are outstanding. And he's sparked a lot of their comebacks with just the little inside play. Then they go back outside. And it's because the Celtics struggle to answer. Yeah, they do. You're right. They they are having trouble. I I think Grant I, I think you're right. I, mean, I think Grant is, is is a bit of a solution, or at least he certainly was in game three. The challenge I see with Grant is similar with Tice is that you know the foul trouble is just plagues him. Um, he's just somebody who hasn't quite figured out how to play defense without getting the, without putting the other team on the line. And I and then part of that's probably rookie him being a rookie, um, but but he's in it's the right. It's going to be spot. center by committee. Tice is still going to get plenty total. of minutes. You're going to have to use your fouls with Tice. You're going to have to use your fouls with Grant. Right. And you're going to have to roll Ennis to, you know, anytime Olenek is out there because you can. And and if Miami beats you with Olenek on Canner, so be it. Right. They're not going to win the game on that. That's that's going to be their, their – I mean, Kelly was so bad in game three. That's probably their, their counter is just, you know, getting Kelly some easy easy looks. You know, and pick and roll and get him, and, you know, get him out there, pulling, pulling Canner from the lane. I would think that would be where I would try to. What I would try to do is try to get Kelly going, so you can't play Canner, you know, because he's he will he'll he'll own the boards. Um, and if you're not going to make, if you're not going to punish him defensively, because a lot of times they're putting him in there when um, uh, when Gore Dragic isn't in, so you're not you know you don't have nearly the same issues with pick and roll defense as you would with Dragic is with anybody else. So, that, yeah, I think... It'll be interesting you know, with, to see the wrinkle because I think they intend on continuing yeah. to do that because they have to. You know, yeah. they real And maybe they throw a Robert Williams look if yeah. if the if the counterpunch with Canner and Olenek is what you say, more pick and roll and trying to expose Canner and Canner can't handle it. Then maybe the counterpunch is to just throw something completely opposite in Robert Williams at Kelly Olenek. And then, you know, you got a guy that can close out on him and stay with him even if he gets burned because Olenek may be smart, but he's not fast. Yeah. And I, and I think you're, I think you're right. Cause you know, I've been listening to other podcasts like, Oh, maybe Rob Williams is like, there is no way that Rob Williams is out of the, <laughs> the rotation in any way. I mean, I, I think that Brad is going to try to use things as much as he can to try to get as many different looks. So it's harder for Spo to try to draw up whatever it's going to be because look, Spolstra is, is, you know, we had Nick Nurse in the last round. You got Spolster in this round. I mean, you've got two of the three or three of the best coaches in the league, bar none, right there between the Stevens, throwing Stevens in the mix. You got to take gotta your hat get, off to Spolster totally, over and over. I mean, the guy's totally, got tenure. Totally. He's earned it. He's dealt with yeah. big egos. He's dealt with team <laughs> ball. Like, the dude's flexible as hell. Really, mm-hmm. totally flexible as a coach. 
Totally. Totally. And so it'd be foolish for Stevens to be like, nope, this is who we're going to have and this is our rotation. You know, people love that, like, idea of, like, you know, Brad's got to keep it to seven people and eight people. And, like, dude, no. (laughs) That's not – you need to be flexible and you need to be able to throw a lot of people at a team like that because, you know, that's just – the fewer options that the other team has to game plan against, the easier it is to stop. You know, and, yes, the Celtics have more talent. Um, But you had said this in in the beginning, you know, I think the Celtics have are the more talented team. I think we're yet to see which is the better team. You know, I think in games one and two, I think Miami was the better team. They played together better. They were on a string. You know, they were really fighting for each other. Uh, game three, I think that was different. I think Boston was the aggressor and, and really were more connected. Um, still not totally there, but I think... How they adjust on Jalen Brown is going to have a lot to do with it. Absolutely. And, and, and how Gordon Hayward... Oh continues to um you know play off of that right like does miami adjust to jalen and then if so we've seen gordon and jalen play well together can gordon be the one that keeps it fresh so that whatever adjustment they have there's a counter punch um that's a key matchup i think the canner rob williams tandem against kelly olenic just so that they'd have the williams and tice ability but um i don't think they're going to do much with bam you know and 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 if they're if they can do anything to bring you know to to limit bam's impact i think it'll go a long way i think it'll go a really long way because they're just so good on the perimeter look how many shooters they have hero robinson i mean butler is not known for being a good shooter but if they need a clutch one you know where they're going you know they did it and yeah go ahead no, I was just saying that, but that's like the, that to me is the problem Miami has. Miami can say either we go with Bam, right? We we try, we want Bam to be our guy, but that means then that to do that, that means you could have shooters on the floor, right? Because otherwise, you're going to help off the shooters, and you know Jalen especially is a guy with size and. And who can really or get smart and help the way out. that they played well, Embiid, right? But, he can just float right, over point, and try to knock it loose. Yep. Right, but my point is that okay, but if Jalen is bully balling Harrow and Goran Dragic and Duncan Robinson, or same with Tatum for that matter, then you're going to say, well, geez, we got to get a holder on hold on Brown. So maybe we got to play Wadala. We're going to put Jay Crowder out there more. We got to. Um, you know, play, you know, Derek Jones Jr. But if you're doing that, now you're hurting your offense. And now you're not going to have as many opportunities for Bam to score the ball. So it becomes this thing where, like, Jalen can really be the linchpin here of what exactly can Spolstra do that pulls Jalen, you know, limits his effectiveness. But that also, <laughs> in return, hurts hurts Miami's offense to such a degree, too, where now the Celtics can help off uh, to a greater degree. So it's, you know, I, I, this is the, these are the things the, the why Spo gets the big bucks and, and somehow he has to figure that out because, you know, while those guys can light it up, Hero and, and Duncan Robinson, if Jalen has a chance to be Jalen Brown, he's going to be a star by the end of these, these six or seven games. Yeah, we, yeah. 
No doubt. All right. Not that he isn't already, but you get my point. No, I totally get your point. And all right. So what else should we cover before we close out other than the fact that Eric Spolstra does kind of look a little bit like Gollum? The precious. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm not, I can't be the first person who said that. I never really saw that actually. That's that's, you will. You will, wow. especially as he loses more hair. Wow. Huh. It's the deep set eyes. It's the deep Something. set buggy eyes. It's the blank, soulless stare, dude. And I'm not really trying to crap on Spolstra. I, I really actually, I, I don't have an ounce of hate for him. I really don't. Yeah, he, even he even no, when we had to play him and it was a mother, you know, I yeah. still didn't dislike him. You know, I disliked a lot of the players on the Heat, but I did not dislike him. It's been eight years, and some of the the hate has not gone away. Ooh, Um, I do have one other thing. The tweet, I can't remember who shot it out there, but it it definitely raised my cackles. If the Lakers go to the finals, uh, Rajon Rondo will be the first player to go to the finals in the starting lineup with both the Lakers and the Celtics. And I mean, definitely was it the starting lineup or was it the, no, I think it was win a championship. Yeah. Um, said that. Yeah. That was yeah. Burke. Can't happen. Absolutely cannot be allowed. I mean, I realized nothing would be better for the bubble than Lakers Celtics 10 years later, but um, it can't happen. I mean, I don't mind if the Lakers get there and we beat their ass, but I got a serious issue with Rondo winning a title with both teams, especially at yeah. It's got it's got to be a no go. It it cannot be allowed. I mean, you know how I feel about Rondo, so you know I'm I'm. You know, yeah, you're I, fine. You're rooting for him. We get to the finals, I, you're no, like, stop. go Rondo! Stop. Oh, Jesus, get stop. your title, Celtics <laughs> Lakers. You go down in history. Sorry, you asked for that. <laughs> you asked for that. I. <laughs> I don't know if I asked for that, but I asked for something probably. I think that's true. <laughs> is Rondo your precious? I love Rondo. He is my precious. <laughs> Dude, how no, fast I, did he age though? Real quick, and it's not the dreads; it's the wrinkles in his face. Like it, it almost happened in the last nine months, right? Like he went from being this perennial little kid-looking dude to like yeah. old man. Old yeah, man immediately. What was that? Benjamin Button? It's like he did yeah. the Benjamin Button. Like, But, you know, this is year 14 for him. I mean, this is, you know, he, he was a kid, but he's, this is, this is a, this is a long career. I mean, age 14, this is, that's no joke, you know? Um, Agreed. I don't even know where I was going with that. Anyway. There's really yeah, nowhere I, to go except really loose. You know what I mean? You're going into turn three. You probably should have slowed yes. down. We're yes. going to see what happens. You might go into the wall. We're going to see what happens. We might go to the wall. It could happen. I No, I think, you know, look, I think that, this, that Rondo, I mean, I obviously have a one eye on that on that, that series, um, you know, because obviously what we know. What a devastating that, loss that was that got spoiled that for you. That was tough. Yeah. That was you know, because what you need, the Celtics need. I mean, it's such I, a huge really, defensive play. Right. Jamal Murray, like, stuffs him into the, you know what I mean? But the ball stays, I and think then they just no sneak it out and kick it out to AD. Ugh. 
I mean, I think maybe no matter who wins the East, I'm rooting for whoever wins the East over whoever whoever's in the West. I think Denver, I'm at, Denver's not hard to root for. No, I, I might root for Denver over Miami. You know, you know, has has a really really sore spot in my mind of Denver is that game, um, not this season, but last season, where the Celtics went to Denver and Jamal Murray went absolutely off. And he had all kinds of swag and was just yelling at everybody and everything. And that was the game where Kyrie threw the ball into the rafters or whatever, got fined for it. But I was so annoyed with Jamal Murray that night. I couldn't take it. So oh, I love Jamal Murray. Kind Not of, as much as you love Rondo, but that was my other guy. I was <laughs> like, he was plan B on Jalen Brown in my mind. I was like, if you can't get Jalen, you got to go Jamal Murray. But at the time I was like, you just don't need another guard was my mentality. Um, And I definitely wanted, you know, a wing and an athletic wing and one that could attack the basket, you know? And uh, so those might've worked out for us. We think (laughs) think Jamal Murray would have worked out. We probably would have been in the winner's circle with either one of those. Yeah. You know, but I don't think he. No, but you know, it's this. It, it, you see all these guys, and it, you know, everyone's oh, you know, why don't we get this guy? And, you know, if we only drafted this guy, he would have been this, and you know, the whole thing. Like we when here well, with Tyler time. Hero, and then like, we had Jesus. to hear about it with uh, stupid Bill Simmons and Tybal, right, and right, yeah, right, Tybal, yeah. Well, look, I mean, Grant Williams got the biggest stop of the whole damn season, okay. Out of anybody out there, it's Grant Williams. It wasn't, it wasn't anybody else. So you know, let's just slow down on this. I mean, I'm just so tired of this. Like, you know, well, how about now? How about now? Tyler Hero had a great first half, 16 points. He was like six of eight shooting or something. I mean, he was on fire. You know, but we got people on the Twitter thing going like ready to put him in Springfield. Like, slow your roll. He's good. He's going to be good. Probably be an all-star player in the next couple of years. I mean, he's, you know, he's got all that. But, like, let's just, like, this is the problem. We anoint everyone way too early. Michael Porter Jr. can't defend to save the guy's life, you know. He can shoot. He can score. But he can't defend. Same with Trey Young. Like, we, like, we anoint these guys before they're actually good players, you know. They can get a bucket. That's great. That doesn't win. So are we about game buckets or about winning? See, to me, basketball is about trying to get a W. That's what it's all about, you know. And and I think we just we lose sight of that. We just focus on who's getting buckets, you know. I, I it's all great that Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson can fill fill it up, but they're not going anywhere without Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler no. and Goran Dragic. You know what I mean? Like I I'm do. kind of bored with that. I'm kind of sick. Of, like I've been seeing this through the bubble. Oh. You know, and and Jamal Murray's been great, but if he's a minus, if he's plus minus is on the wrong side of it, what good is it? You know, so I just um I'm, I'm maybe I'm I'm old. I think maybe I'm just old. I think that's no. I mean, it's it's one of those scenarios where you can't really have those conversations until you really have a body of work, and especially in different right. situations, like pull somebody out of their current scenario, move them into another one, and what do you have? Right. That's the that's the real question. But that works both ways. You know, if it were if it were fans in Denver saying, oh, man, I wish I wish Jalen had fallen to us and they'd taken Jamal Murray because they see something else, you know, 
it's that early narrative. But Jamal gets to be the man, and Brown is is playing often second, third, fourth, fifth fiddle, and yet he's got plenty of talent. He's still young, and the reins of that team are going to go to him and and Tatum at some point, and and probably smart too. I got to tell you, I'm watching more video of Ennis Canner, and this is another clip. Ennis Canner and Marcus Smart at the pool, and mm-hmm. as like Deuce is trying to get out of the pool, mm-hmm. and it starts to get rough, and there's like major Tatum personality coming out. Like you can tell, he just loves being a dad. Like he legit loves being a dad like it's one thing to show like pictures of of people's kids you know and they're with their kid but like when he was when when deuce was coming off the bus and he was trying to get his hug and deuce was kind of into his toy like that was hilarious but you could just tell like how much jason was dying for that hug you know and so i'm watching this pool video with that in the back of my mind and they start messing around and Tatum totally like realizes something's getting mixed up here. He's looking at them, not Deuce, but he gets a hand on the back of Deuce's life jacket. Like, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get you away from the seven footer Turkish dude from falling in the pool. Like, we know he's got a long reach. That reach, like, he's all over it, dude. Have you seen this? Yes. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It's and you know, like you said, I, uh, I, and I think it's also I, I love it, and I th- I think it's also great. You know, the Celtics. You know, this is what you know. I talk about this so like how do these guys get along, right? You know, Chris Mannix wrote a nice little article about how the two, what the vibe is between Jalen and Jason, and you know that stuff matters to me. I just you know, are they fitting in? Are they working? Jason's at the pool with Deuce, you know, and Marcus is there and Ennis is there and, you know, like they're just well, hanging and out. And you know all the notorious stories about the NBA life, you know, and what it does sure. to marriage and, you know, the Kobe story and everything else, you know. And, and, and maybe even the Kobe story is something that Kobe talked to Tatum about. Who knows? You know, that stuff, mm-hmm. 100% private. Depends on how tight they were and everything else. You wonder how many people Kobe might have talked to around the league mm-hmm. about, look, you're young, but, you know, take it from me, you know. And mm-hmm. so when I see that, you know, it's just kind of refreshing that there's a counter narrative. Like, I'm not saying these guys are perfect and I get it. They're young and I know what young men are like. And <laughs> I, I, I get it. I'm not I'm not I trying to. Once. I, I was one once. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not Long as good ago. as I once was. <laughs> but but the point is is like when you when you see him at the pool, you know, and it's like it's just the guys, right? Nobody else you don't really see anybody else's kids or family members in the screenshot. Jason's just hanging with Deuce, man. And yeah. it's just kind of I know it's getting a little overplayed. I I mean I do yeah. see that. And and so that's kind of the – I hesitate even bringing it up because it's so overjuiced. But one, one well-known Celtics blogger slash tweeter was like – said something to the effect of, all I want to do is hang out with Jason Tatum and his son. I'm like, that's weird. Like, what's that about? But anyway. Well, they're I'll in the bubble. 
<laughs> they're lonely. They're lonely too. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. I, no, I'm with you. Trust me. I've had a I've had a two year old around, almost three year old. I don't want to be around that kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's my own kid. Good point. Um, anyway. No, no, you're making a great point. But but anyway, the point is, is like he wants to spend time with his boy. You know what I mean? And just seeing just seeing like the protective nature coming out, like "Mm, don't want my you know, there are plenty of young dads who couldn't give a crap where their kids at, (laughs) you know, let alone read this situation like kind of want my boy to be safe here. Um, So it's just cool to see. And I don't want to hop on a bandwagon that's been beat to death, but I'm going to take my moment to say it because it really I love the video is all about Cantor and smart. And I'm just taking something completely different from the background. Yeah, right. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, you want a hot take about Mark, uh, Jason Tatum? That's completely ridiculous. Sure. Why not? We'll close on this. We'll close on this. What do you think? What if Jason Tatum is the fully realized version of what? Kobe Bryant could have been could as be. a, a team as a team player without as much of a focus about that kind of mama mentality stuff. Yeah. I don't think that's a hot because team. I think there's a legit well, shot. At I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who think like Kobe's the perfect player that, that, you know, Kobe did everything absolutely the right way. And obviously as Celtics fans, we have a, a bit of a different take on that, but my feeling going into Kobe, I think there's a different ego going on between those two and Jason can still dominate a game without it. And that's rare. Right. Like look at LeBron, dude, look at the way that that bitch ass handled not winning the MVP. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. You spoiled freaking shit. (laughs) Are you kidding? I just don't know what game everybody's watching. What game are you watching? Like, I'm watching the game where if the player comes off the team, what's the team look like? And yes, you're great, but Anthony Davis is still going to have that team on the bubble of the playoffs. You take Giannis off Milwaukee, and I'm sorry, but they're shit. (laughs) They're not making the postseason. They don't have a shot. And I don't, and I don't, I'm already like, "Mm, I don't really want to give Giannis any love here either, you know, but, but it's the truth. You pull him off that Bucks team, they're nothing, nothing. And that's not the case with LeBron in LA. I think there's a lot of those votes were way too weighted about things that happened in November as opposed to what happened in the bubble. And I don't think you, you want to go everything by what you saw lately, but there's no one who could look at, you know, even since January and think that Jason Tatum is a third, te- third team, all NBA guy. Oh, and no is the second team. That's yeah. insane. Like, that's just an insane. Hell Jalen Brown votes that after the series, it. after the series against Toronto is clear that Jalen Brown deserved to be on the third team and Siakam probably didn't even belong. <laughs> yeah, I'm just true. saying there's yeah. an argument there I after mean, that series. You know, yeah. And there's Bradley Beal and all that. But like to me, like the whole Tatum thing, like Tatum, the way he's passing the ball, the way he defends, the way he I, I mean truthfully, I think I mean his shot making is there. It's a question of when he's shooting, when he's not shooting. 
that to me is probably the biggest question I have about him right now. You know, when to take over, when not to take over. I think that's the thing where I'm not worried about him making plays, you know, off, off the, you know, I, I don't have any, any issue. His playmaking has been outstanding and it will get better. But I think it's, you know, when, when to take over, when to be the man, when not to be the man, um, you know, <laughs> start taking more threes, Jason. Um, you know, I think those are the issues. Shot profile is probably more of the issue right now. But he's still effortlessly, effortlessly getting 25, 12, and 5 a night with outstanding And defense. you're wondering where is he on offense when they need a bucket still. It's weird. Well, you know, yeah, not not I, so much against Toronto, definitely not against Philly, but like even in this series, like he's hit some. But to your point about the unselfishness, we definitely saw a player taking a good bulk of the shots and kicking the crap out of the opponent earlier going. And it's almost like I'll look at the box score and it'll actually surprise me when I see how well he did, because I just don't feel like he was con- like dominating the game and the ball. And as soon as he started doing it, and it was actually an issue because they were forcing shots for him, they completely adjusted, and it was like he didn't even care. It was like, yep, okay, fine, I'll do it different. Yeah, I, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, it's, I think it's, you can't give it as criticism to me because if you have that level of production, you're doing what you need to do, particularly in an offense where it's not built around one person. You know, it's not built around. Jason gets his and then everyone else gets theirs. This isn't the Houston Rockets, you know. This isn't the the Cavs of, you know, LeBron's era. This is not, you know, it's not this is not like a hierarchical system. This is very democratic, you know. It's whoever's open, whoever's got the best shot's going to take it. And some nights Jason's the guy and some nights it's not. But that is there's a there's a philosophy contrast because there's times in the NBA you need that guy to take over to be the guy so that everything else falls into place, you know? And I think that's probably the challenge that he's facing. And I think Brad Stevens is facing because I think so much of what works with this team and has ever since Brad got here is it will, the, the numbers will, you know, the, the buckets will find themselves. Well, Isaiah was a different category than that, right? <laughs> he, he, he was, but they you know, couldn't was, stop him going to the rim and that's the difference in that scenario or that comparison was the fact that that guy was going to get onto the line then there the one thing the nba officials gave us with isaiah thomas almost every time was the fact that dude's five seven no matter what he was listed at might have been he might have been five five and he attacks the rim if that ball doesn't go in with some crazy ass circus trick shot, he probably got fouled and he's going to the line. And and that's right. the difference. Like, I'm not saying that Jason doesn't go to the rim, but Jalen goes to the rim more than Jason does. And Jason will get in there, but he kind of weaves in and Euro steps. And even and, and it's part like if they want to criticize Tatum on anything, it's the hands up in the air looking for the foul. And he and a lot of times he probably did get fouled, but his move to the rim doesn't it's so smooth and euro steppy it just doesn't have the officials looking for the foul the way it did with like an isaiah thomas and he's so sweet shooting from beyond the arc 
that that's typically where he's going to do it, his damage. You know, even though he's gotten way more prolific at the rim, doing much better. Like, I'm, this isn't me rehashing an old criticism that he clearly adjusted and corrected this season. It's not. But the point is, they're the way that he goes to the rim, they're just not looking or expecting there to be contact the way that maybe they see with other players in the league. And and the fact that you brought up Isaiah was such a great contrast for that. Yeah. Well, he, and I think it's, I think it's a strength thing. And Isaiah was much more straight line because he didn't have limbs that could go from one side lane to the other in one step, unlike Tatum does, you know? So it, it was, it's easier to call, I guess, right? You don't have to worry about these limbs that seem to stretch on forever. And with Giannis, well, he was, and Isaiah, he's gotten so strong that you look for it. Now yeah. with you know with Tatum, he's still he's much better off. He's much stronger. It's not just he got bumped and he lost control. But it's, even though he has leaping there. ability, yeah, even though he has leaping ability, he's so long he can't do what Isaiah did, which is something that Isaiah learned very early in his career, which was to to like you said, straight line. As soon as he knew he could beat his man, as soon as there was an edge, yeah. as soon as they were slightly out of position, he just heads to the rim, just yeah. straight on go. And then he knows he's going to meet somebody there. Just because he beat his man doesn't mean he's beat, beat every man because there's somebody going to be waiting. And he would jump, and he learned how to protect the ball, take the contact, in many cases bounce off several inches from whoever that player is, and then maybe he gets a foul, maybe not, but he's not even looking for the foul. He's looking to make the shot because after he bounces off that body, he actually gets free again. And that's when he would go and finish the shot. And a lot of times it would drop. That's why he was so good at getting and ones because he'd already figured out that the officials weren't going to save him, right? Like he would get calls, but they weren't going to save him because just going to the free throw line isn't going to get it done. His body's going to get trashed. He had to learn kind of a safe way to like curl up like Sonic the, he- Sonic the Hedgehog, bounce off of a player, and then come out of the spin and release a shot off the backboard and make it. And like Jason literally doesn't have that luxury. He's just not built the same way, can't do that. And if, if he were to do anything like that, it'd just be an offensive foul <laughs> because right. of the way – that the build is, and he wouldn't finish with contact the same way. Um, so, you know, with all of that in mind, you know, it's great to see Tatum adjust a little bit. Maybe he does need to, to be able to take over in different ways. Maybe it's a strength thing, but he's so young. He's going to put muscle on that frame and he's already added what, since he came into the league, 20 pounds, maybe easy, 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 easy. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, and 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 I think another off season he's gonna be, he's gonna be beastly. I mean, he's really he's really strong right now. But I think another off season uh, of of work, and now them saying it's not gonna be probably until January that they're back at it. Um, so they're gonna have a good three months of of off season work to. Uh, Bulk are they going to bubble this? Gonna are they going to bubble a regular season in January? What's the word there? Supposedly they want to try to play in in market, but I don't see how they can do that with all that travel that NBA teams have. You know, to me, I think they, they could. They, I think they could handle the travel, but it's going to have to be private charter. 
you know, 100%. And they're going to have to put in a lot of protections, you know, around the hotels and like, they're going to have to book out an entire hotel. But here's the thing. The hotels are empty anyway. Like in Philadelphia, the hotels are being used as dorm rooms for the kids that are going back to school because they want single occupancy in the dorm. So the, the hotels need the money anyway. And, Demand is not an issue, well, at least not a good problem that they have. And so I could see, you know, big teams uh, of cleaning crews sweeping into the hotels, cleaning them out. The team gets an entire hotel, lots of spacing, limited number of staff, delivery for food. Nobody goes out to eat, you know, some basic team rules. And the travel's got to be on private charters, you know. But if they they can – they can take best practices from the bubble and protect these. And when I say protect these guys, they're really protecting their families. You know, I, I don't really see athletes in this kind of shape as being like a real risk in the pandemic. Um, not that they, not that they couldn't get sick, not that they couldn't get significantly sick, but I don't think you're really talking about death for NBA players at all. But for them to do an entire season without seeing their family to keep their families safe, that's the issue. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was that study about myocarditis. They were worried about that inflammation there. I, I don't know if that's, you know, but you're right. I mean, that's a, that's a concern. And, and I, yeah, I, I would love to, to be able to play at least in markets so they can, these guys can have time with their families, you know, and, and, go back to living the way that they are used to living somewhat. Um, and then, you know, and, and then eventually as things relax, hopefully a little bit more and we can really contract trace, contact trace and, and actually have some, um, you know, we have you the, vaccine out point, there. You know, the long-term effects that are unknown, you know, that that's something mm. the NBA doesn't want hanging over their head or any league for that matter. Right. Right. Exactly. And speaking of long-term effects, uh, I think we should end on this. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently the game four referees include Scott Foster. Oh, that's right. And, and Tony brothers. <laughs> so expect shenanigans, expect shenanigans in game four. So, so here's the question. Do they put the Celtics down three, one, and then the Celtics do a Denver, and then somehow, I mean, Denver's playing as we record this, so they could be down uh, 3-0 by the time <laughs> we're done with this. But maybe Denver and the Celtics go down 3-1, and then Denver does the trifecta comeback somehow, and the Celtics would do the same thing on their end and get one extra day of rust over Denver and then meet them in the finals. That would be weird. It's going to okay, be Celtics I think that- Lakers, I think. I I think so. I, I think that I think this is a typical uh, this is a typical NBA scheduling deal where early, relatively early in the series, they'll have these guys work and they'll bring them back later in the series to go the other way. So I'm rather hoping that. This yeah, this is, is the, about getting the, the series tied up. This might be right, the first this, time Foster and right. brothers do something for us. Right, exactly. exactly. Ah, interesting so, spin. So, so you know, this is something to watch. Now, maybe the app is wrong and the, they won't work the game, but 
it seems like they've been off uh, long enough. So it, 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 you know, although sometimes you know they, they did Tony Brothers in Game Six against Toronto. So, uh, but I guess it being Game Four, I guess it's time for Tony to come back and wreak havoc against the Boston Celtics again. So something mm. to look forward to uh, as you get ready for. Uh, Wednesday nights. All right. So when do we come back? Wednesday's game four. Friday is going to be game five. If they stay on the alternating, the game six is Sunday, and then yes. game seven would be Tuesday. Okay. Yep. Game six is Sunday. So. Uh, so th- in yeah. all likelihood, we'll come back and and celebrate a crazy four straight, or we'll be previewing, <laughs> <laughs> or we'll be previewing game seven, which is the most likely scenario unless somehow the Celtics are eliminated before that. Right. But I I think that's what I think we'll, we'll be back probably on Monday, Monday night or Sunday after the game to, uh, to take a look at what's next. So John, I'm going to wrap it, baby. Well, and and I just want to say, if it goes seven, that is also the night of the first presidential debate. So, uh, you know, for those who just want to move it, it won't be Tuesday night then. They'll move it. That'll be Wednesday. Think so? Yeah. No right way. Now it's supposed to be no, Tuesday, so. no way. No way in hell does the NBA in this political climate with their social stance do they have people watching this game seven instead of the debates? No chance in hell that thing's getting moved. Fair enough. Count on it. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show. And uh, let's just call it a wrap. Thank you for listening. We'd love that you continue to listen to us after nearly 15 years of doing this. It's been an interesting ride. It's been an interesting season. Just keeps getting closer and closer to the end. So stay with us as we close this this season out here over the next very few weeks. So uh, on behalf of uh, my co-host, John Duke, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and myself, Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Wait.